Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We're on a collision course for the national championship and only very little time. Because the train is rolling, so anybody out there, I can't tell you what's going to happen right now, but it's coming. Get on board, but get out the way. Every single play, you got to find a way to get it done. Play after play after play after play. You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now. Here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince McCoco. Welcome back. We're in for another episode of From the Pink Seats Podcast. Off-season talk tonight uh, as there is just some good stuff to dive into around the Louisville football program. It's been a very exciting off-season. And while we haven't talked about it a ton, it's because we didn't want the fatigue of doing so very early on when in reality now is probably about the time to start talking about some of this stuff so that's what we're going to do tonight on this episode of from the pink seats podcast you got the full gang here jacob vince matt fellas how are we you're pretty good with yourself jacob you sound pretty chipper tonight right you know i'm rolling solo dolo daddy duty is what i'm on tonight man and to be quite honest with you, I'm good at getting them in bed by 8 p.m. when I'm by myself. Wow. So, got the kids in bed early tonight. Well, Ruby's back there. My daughter is back there coloring. She'll probably make an appearance tonight. Ruby. I would imagine so. Ruby. Yeah, recent preschool yeah, graduate, man. Headed out to, to kindergarten here in a few weeks or in a few go. months. Yeah, moving this on up. This is a grad party. I will bring keg. <laughs> you know look man I'm, I'm at the age where uh the alcohol being brought to the kids party obviously not for the kids but for the adults is welcome so yeah that'd be great man that's the, the exactly show. and i can be that you know crazy italian uncle off that just kind of shows up from time to time gets drunk cooks good food yeah that you sounds know. like you i like it man yeah that sounds about right matt how are you you both talked at the same time so i have no no idea what you said i just heard you what you said I'd be doing better if the Reds weren't currently just getting shellacked by the Dodgers right now. But, you know, this is that's baseball talk. So I know people well, don't hear about that. You know, but. it's funny. We're going to talk a, lot, a little bit, just a little bit about baseball, more about the extracurricular around baseball here shortly. OK, I've got a, a, a question of the night that I want to drop on you. I'll discuss at the beginning. We've got some interesting topics to dive in tonight and really a busy show. Uh, we're not uh, going to be alone for long here shortly. Brock Doman, Louisville uh, football quarterback, will join us to talk about his camp coming up here soon. And uh, we're really excited for him to do that. And we're going to talk a lot about the offseason. Uh, of course, we're going to talk about what's been going on around the program and what you need to know. Um, and we're going to talk about Louisville's expectations and, and really what you can start to expect uh, from the team. Jeff Brom spoke to the media as we record this yesterday. So probably a couple of days removed now as you're listening to this uh, for the first time since really since after spring football, I'm pretty sure, uh, and mm -hmm. gave some updates. And of course, there's been some news around the team with transfers and players departing and things of that nature um, and, and a lot of other things to get into along the way. We got a new segment we're going to introduce tonight that I'm really excited about. And hopefully we'll make this a reoccurring segment throughout the season. Um, but I don't know. Matt's a busy fella, so we'll see. But tell, yeah. Tonight you get it. He's lucky to get his time. 
Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Matt's like, I think I can do that. It's, it's, uh, so yeah. it's, there's there's no active be on the games radio to cover today. right now. So yeah. that's right. Well, hey, speaking of working hard, man, Matt, this is a this is a great question for you, okay? Because I think that you can you can relate a little bit to this, and I think Carol would your girlfriend would totally agree that you live under this mentality. I have this proposition or question for you guys: for ninety three point six million dollars over ten years, would you work? 44 weeks out of the year, seven days a week. Would that entice you? So for $93 million over the course of 10 years, whatever uh, the the extension is of this coach, which is now I just said it, Nick Saban, okay, talked about how much they work uh, at the Alabama football program. Uh, And he said that for 44 weeks out of the year, they work seven days a week. Well, considering I did it. I mean, considering it feels like I work that much right now. For considerably less, hell yeah, I would I would do that? I mean, for ninety three million, hell, why not? I actually had to do that for less money, and had less to take money. out the and had to take out the trash. So food, I mean, I would gladly and be, and be the I would food runner, coach football for ten years, ninety three million dollars. But can I ask you this for real though? Okay, so Nick Saban said that that's how his staff operates, and there's probably a lot of college football staffs that are, are in that same kind of vein. One thing I appreciate about Scott Satterfield and Vince, I don't know if this holds up or if this was just coach speak, but he talked about how he wanted his staff to be able to be there for their family events, to be able to go and do things, take their kids to school. Uh, this is the opposite of that. This is Nick Saban doesn't so give a fuck. <laughs> Yo, kids. <laughs> Hey, I mean, like you're also talking to a guy that woke up to like four separate Frank Ponce text messages at 6 a.m. to go get Starbucks coffee. So like you've been on the other side of the seven days a week for 93 million is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Were you in the were you in the facility seven days a week for the two years you were there? Like, I mean, obviously, I'm talking about a coach, not as a player, but as a coach. Yeah, every day I was in there much more as a coach than I was as a player. And you didn't like it, it stupidly. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm you know, not going to be playing. I'm going to have more time to do whatever and stuff. No, complete opposite. I, I had no clue how much those dudes grounded. But it I mean, makes sense. There's studies that show that like happiness and unhappiness are can be correlated to the amount that you work and the level of energy that you exert into your job. And And I can tell you in my job. And I'm sure both of you feel this way. There's burnout. You feel overwhelmed at times. There's no way that you could do any more work. But also, after 5, 6 p.m., we'll talk tomorrow. You well, know, like, I think and, that's and, how and, I kind of operate. I don't know if you Do guys, not disturb. <laughs> Matt, I know for you, you don't get that fortune uh, of being nope. able to turn off the inbox. You know, if Rocco slides in at 10 p.m., you're writing an article at 1030. Like, it's that kind of mm. life for you. Do you get, Vince, do you get burned out working a lot, like on, on weeks where you're more like 50, 60 hours? Is it no. hard for you to kind of recover? Is that just the grind? No, that you're Because I look at like now working a regular day, getting off at like, like, I don't know, 435 as just a normal, like it's easier. I was working until like 11, 12 at night sometimes, just depending on the day, especially end season. What would kill Getting back on that was like the summer whenever we'd still be there early in the morning, which was cool. You always like getting up early and working out and stuff. But like, like you say, come five, six o'clock when you're ready to go home and you're just seeing who can stay there the latest for whatever reason. (laughs) 
Like, I, that's not a life I'm built for. I'm just that's, no. a toxic, well, I mean, like, that's a toxic min- that's uh, I'm mindset saying. right now, there. Look, $93 million <laughs> will cover up a lot of toxicity, but I'm just saying that's a, not well, a life that a lot, a lot of people of those, are built for, man. They go play golf at like fuck, at like three, dude. Oh, well, like, that's different. Okay. Oh, that, that's fine. See, yeah. Okay. It, they, I, that's good they, clarity. Yeah. Not, not they, you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not I. I am scouting week five for whatever reason. Bitch, we're going to golf. Murray State. We need the scouting report ELB tomorrow. Hey, Grant oh would be in gosh. there hammering out those recruiting reports for Brew, man. I mean, it sounded like there was some frustration in that voice, Vince. I love it. Man. That's great insight. Okay. <laughs> they, not I. <laughs> oh, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> All right. Not to completely switch to. gears here, but the, the Twitter question we put out tonight was uh, on at at pink seats but i'm really struggling with that tonight man really having a hard time and is uh, the reds hit a home run or get a run or do something uh but tonight's twitter question sorry (laughs) it's okay yeah we don't we don't need to know anymore you've already bored us enough with the baseball talk but speaking of ellie just got a triple i'm sorry i'm I'm excited let me question of the night what is a food you're not ashamed to eat right out of the out of the jar or can and the reason i ask that is there's this video that went viral on tiktok and on instagram over the weekend of a fan uh, of the Cleveland Guardians eating a large jar of what appears to be some form of mustard. And I'm not sure if it is spicy brown mustard. I'm not sure if it's yellow mustard. I'm not sure if it's Grey Poupon. Like, I'm not 100% sure what level of mustard we're dealing with here. But it's true sicko behavior, if you're asking me. At a baseball game where you're completely open, like your life, fellas, I don't think you all realize this. You're always this close to going viral for the wrong reason. Something you mm-hmm. do that somebody else is like, that's weird. I'm going to tweet that. And then here you are. You're this guy, right? So here's my question. I want an honest answer. Okay. This is a safe space. What <laughs> is something that you're not ashamed? You are ashamed of, you know, to talk about it. But what is something that you eat out of the, the container, the jar, the can, whatever it is? I can go first if that helps. I am a sucker for applesauce out of the container. And I think it's the thing my wife hates about me the most, not the big jars that you buy, the individual packs. Okay. So the little cups, I slurp them out like they're a drink and it's, no, wrong dis- no it's yes, disgusting. Yeah. No, it's disgusting. And my wife hates, absolutely hates the noise that it makes when you're trying, you know, cause the applesauce <laughs> container, you can only tip it back so far. You eventually got to get in there and get the remnants like a dog lapping water. Like you have to, right. And that's disgusting, but I do it every time and I'm never going to change at this point. So what do you fellas enjoy straight out of the can? Matt, go ahead. So this, this might stem from a place of like, I, I did take a fair amount of jello shots in college. So, you know, like those big old packets of jello. Oh, like the straight. little containers. So you'll just like, like a wing. You know how, like, you know, Madden and Luke will just clear the like bone. A wing. <laughs> you know how they'll clear the bone? You just clear the cl- the little cup with just like one squeeze and it's gone. Oh, hell yeah. Or either either that or pudding. I love pudding. That might explain why I'm 270, God, so but. <laughs> All right. What do you want? Applesauce and pudding and a. Jacob, I have zero shame in anything. You know me. I do I eat, know you. I mean, yeah. Like I eat gas station food. Like I am not ashamed to eat anything out of a can. Like I will eat sardines all day for sure. Like those are fire. Uh, obviously, a good pickle out of the jar. Can't okay, go wrong pickles with, a good one. Yeah, of can't course, go wrong man. with sipping the pickle juice either. Uh, pickles are dude, disgusting, Bar, and I will never stand told by me that. That you've never been drunk in college and ate a can of Chef Boradie right out of the can. 
No, that's gross. Somebody tweeted that's that. At us. Disgusting. That's disgusting. Yeah, I can that never before. eat cold <laughs> pasta out of a can. That is horrifying. Cold now, pasta is gas, dude. Especially a meatball. Throw that thing on. Just no, the meatball. Bread. Different though. That's different. Oh. The, the 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 pasta itself, cold. That's. Disgusting. Have you ever had like uh, pickled onions or pickled garlic? I have not. Neither one. Of, I well, I've those. had pickled onions on like a sandwich. I feel like. Yeah, but like but those like on... homemade, like countries that like you know, like somebody's mom or grandma, yeah, somebody made it. Like eat those straight out of a just straight a, out of a mason jar. Just a couple of responses we got on Twitter because I think this is interesting. Everybody is so different, and this is what it's a safe space, so I don't judge you. I'm sorry for saying that's disgusting. Um, sardines, another answer that we got on Twitter. Uh, hot sauce. Yeah, I that seems there have been some hot sauces I've had that, that are that good. And no there we go. Home run about the Reds. God, <laughs> this is great. Uh, this is a great additional content for us only. Matt, mid sentence celebration. Uh, just to continue on, uh, peanut butter that's a really good one, especially when you're making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. The knife is a little dangerous. You got to be what? careful, but you get See, you get the peanut butter and then you just help yourself. Did See, you guys I go with the goop? What is it? Gooper, gobber, the peanut butter and jelly one. Oh, so the you go. With the, oh, yeah. so I get the same jar and then like I'm kind of having like a little mini uncrustable. So do milk. you refrigerate that or do you put yeah, that in the pantry? It, okay. All right. It's I was say, like, I got to have my I got to have the the jelly's got to be ice. Yeah. Jelly's got to be cold. Or yeah. else we're, we're talking about a nasty sandwich. But yeah, interesting enough. Sardines. Let's see what else we got on here. Salsa, fr- fruit. That one doesn't count. I feel like that's I mean, I guess fruit out of the can, like back in the day when we were kids, you know, you get the little pineapple uh, rounds. Fruit medley, like the, little <laughs> <laughs> where you, you ignore all those the things were so bad. <laughs> I was I just talk, talking to about that. Presley, I was like, man, the cantaloupe and that stuff sucks. Ravioli. So that goes along with what Vince said of the chef boyardee out of the can. And then this is interesting. Maybe the most interesting one, maple syrup. Ooh. Yeah. I don't know about that one, man. I can't do the texture thing. With fuck okay. So <laughs> that, that reminds me of, so I know I'm going to get judgment for this one. And I know I'm speaking this out of the, over the airwaves. So I, I know someone's going to probably at me for it but you know like when you go to a place like ihop or waffle house or cracker barrel and you'll have those little mini um, containers of je- of jelly <laughs> i'll eat those sometimes hey i, I will Bro, throw down I cracker barrel gravy i can eat that straight out of the, the like yeah just hand me the bowl and i'll get a spoon and i could easily just harm that whole thing gravy no biscuits nothing when I was in college, we would frequent Dairy Queen quite a bit, and the gravy in the chicken tender baskets would often get eaten outside of the chicken tenders as their own side. So, yeah, I can totally relate to that. All right, final final comment here on Twitter. Maybe my favorite, actually. Y'all are serial killers. So oh. that's... <laughs> great, great ending to that. But that's just some... some uh, you know, everybody's got a little disgusting food habit in them, and it's every once in a while we got to bring it to the light and talk about it and just have some group therapy. So there you go. That's what we got. Let's move into talking football now. Uh, what you need to know, as we said, new segment, simple name. We spent no time on it. Let's dive right into it. And this is this is great news for Louisville uh, because in the basketball side of things, we're not getting this, and that's coach media availability. Talking about the offseason, talking about the new additions, talking about what's going on. Um, and all of that. Uh, and so Jeff Brom yesterday had an event at the Fraser Museum. Afterwards, he spoke with the media here locally, including one Matt McGavick, who, uh, of course, always poking and prodding. 
Needing those answers, baby. You gotta do that big J on a on a what on a Tuesday night at the Fraser Museum. On life, Tuesday at the Fraser. Anywhere in this world for for some sports. I mean, you, you never know where you might end up, Matt. I um, can't tell you how much I didn't want to go because LA De La Cruz was making his debut at the same time. I know this is the most baseball I've ever talked I, on this podcast, and it's enough. But... I mean, you're close to Presley Meyer status of getting <laughs> muted here mid-show. <laughs> Jeff Brom says the team may not be done adding. Uh, they have a couple of scholarships remaining even after the addition of Joey Gatewood from Central Florida, Jeffrey Clark from Georgia State, and uh, Harrison Bailey not on scholarship but joins the team as a walk-on. <laughs> Former five-star, played at Tennessee at UNLV last year. Uh, but the team not done, and specifically, uh, he says, as we evaluate our team, talking about one position, one position says the ex- the experience factor isn't there at tight end, and that's a concern. Uh, obviously, there's been some roster movement for Louisville football. They've uh, lost Francis Sherman and uh, Des Melton to the transfer portal, uh, and now they're left trying to figure out what they're going to do at tight end. Um, you know, there there is a name that we can talk about here in a second, but uh, that's not the only position at tight end. They're also at linebacker. They lost KJ Cloyd. Played a lot of snaps last season as a backup behind. Monty Montgomery and Momo Sonogo and, and played fairly well when he was on the field, was expected to be a starter this year. Portaled once, came back, portaled again. Louisville has a couple of spots to fill in. A name to watch. This is a name that surfaced on Twitter today. Sean Bowman, tight end out of Maine. And boy, is he a big fella. 6'5", 255, uh, and was a guy who produced, uh, even though at the FCS level, uh, was an all-conference player. Um, and is now being courted by several Power Five programs as one of the most uh, attractive tight ends in the portal. So, fellas, real quick, needs. What do they? What, what do you think? Where do they got to go? There's three or four scholarships left, something like that. Where do they go? Tight end, linebacker. End of list. I mean, if you look at any other spot on Louisville's roster, you can you can either say, okay, yeah, this position is is done. We don't need to worry about it. Or you can say, yeah, you, you might be able to add someone here if they were a luxury, but you're fine here. But you look at tight end and linebacker, specifically middle linebacker, those are the two uh, positions on this roster where you're like, okay, this could be a weakness on, on either side of the ball. Because, I mean, at the tight end spot, your starter is probably, as of right now, is probably going to be walk-on Josh Josh Lipson because it's day one starter is probably not going to be Jamari Johnson. I know I've said on this podcast before that I think Jamari Johnson could be the starter by the end of the season. No but mm-hmm. right out of the gates, he he's not going to start. I mean, he's, he's only a true freshman. Not only is there issues with depth at tight end, the people that are there just don't have the reps that are necessary to perform in the offense. And then, excuse me, he look over at linebacker. It's a little bit of the same, but that's because so many contributors left. I mean, Momo ran out of eligibility. Uh, Monty transferred to Ole Miss. Dorian transferred to Cincinnati. KJ, I mean, he, he played a fair amount as a backup, but I mean, even if he was returning, Linebacker would still be a slight question mark because I mean he's just sliding he, in like in terms of you're the next guy up man you, you got to yeah. go out there and start you know I've been yeah. there I'm not the and, start and, part, he, and he looked good in spring up. TJ Quinn looked good in spring that's my guy but Jack I mean Riger, a, a, hey, put some respect on Mr Riger's name I know but hey a lot of people look good in spring and then they wind up not doing a whole lot during the regular season but that's right and it, don't discount a guy like Riger getting put on scholarship before the season starts also we've seen that oh, before absolutely. with with walk ons and, and I don't know much about how the walk ons were utilized at Purdue but we've seen that you know recent memory here uh, with guy like Marshawn Ford. 
Yeah, it's it's their quarterback started out as a walk on or like the running back or something like that that they just had. Their running, Purdue's running back last season was a walk on. He's now yeah. on, Ryan Walters put him on uh, put him on scholarship now once he got there. But during yeah, the like nine hundred something he, rushing yards. Oh right. yeah, he was yeah, that's good. A pretty good. Pretty it's good utilization of a walk on. Walk ons are valuable, man. They're they're real people out they're there the doing real big things. That's right, the glue. Walk ons are the glue, no doubt about that. All right, let's move on to the big dudes doing big things department, and that is Brian Hudson, <laughs> Louisville's uh, presumed starting center. He is set to can compete, uh, not in a football event. No, not the combine, not the supplemental draft. Uh, no, this is the national championships of tr- of track and field in college, uh, and that is impressive for a guy who played the most snaps for Louisville football last season, 852 snaps. That's a, that's pretty impressive. Uh, so he qualified last month throwing uh, 19.4 meters in, in the shot. Uh, the shot discus is what he called it, which I thought was really, I thought it was called shot put. Yeah. I thought shot it was shot put. is what he called it. So I'm going to go with what he says. Well, shot uh, puts with the ball. Shot discus was, is with the disc, right? Uh, so. I don't know. That, that's new to me. I always that's thought it was a sh- shot. I didn't I, see. I'm not well versed in track and field. We need to get our good friend DJ Bianami to come on and explain the difference between uh, shot put and shot. He's too busy being a real capital J journalist. He would <laughs> never right. entertain That's us. That's right, man. <laughs> Mister ESPN appearing on TV with his big Dwight Schrute glasses. Man, shout out to him though. Uh, but it is really cool. We talked about Brian Hudson uh, being like the kind of steady, the, you know, not to steal what Vince just said, but the glue of this this team and this offensive line. He was coming back, and you know you could potentially be an all-conference player. I found what he said to the media um, really, really interesting. He said it's been a really tough spring with changes at football and then being extremely busy with a schedule of both. It sounds like, uh, you know, you kind of hear in those comments, if you're reading between the lines, like I know that I have to make sure my spot for the football team is, you know, solidified, that I am good there. There's no doubts, new coaching staff. They didn't recruit me. You know, there, there's always the chance that I could be upended by one of these 14 offensive linemen coming in uh, and he was very you know honest about that but also very committed to his other sport and he encouraged other athletes who have interest in being a two-sport athlete to do so and he said that each year he feels like at the end of the year he wants to stop doing it but it's you know he continues to push himself to do so Vince what do you think about that man did you play with any two-sport athletes when you were at Louisville oh two-sport athletes I don't think we did Actually, uh, we had some guys that probably could have played basketball and would have helped the basketball team out a lot. I'm always a big component of that. <laughs> basketball players can't come play football, but football players can most definitely go play basketball. Some of the greatest two-way sport players, I, and I'm going to sound like an idiot in terms of, like, I don't – history. I'm going to go, like, to that like – Bo Jackson, if he's not number well, one, it doesn't matter. Well, I was going to talk about Louisville, right? So you're talking oh. about the great Josh Chichester who would – you talk about where are they now, man. That's – Oh, what a great story that would Josh. be. We could get him on. Josh, if you're listening, buddy, let us slide in those DMs, man. Let's talk. Josh Chichester, uh, I'm trying to think of who else. Did, was there ever a point where Louisville had a baseball, football player? I know they recruited, obviously, Chubba, Chubba Purdy, and they recruited some other players that have played. Yeah, I probably could have did that. I think Robbie Ashford was a guy that was going to play baseball and football uh, at the next level. Um Maybe in my trip, or was Deion Sanders son a baseball player in high school? I mean, he was also going to play. I may, I feel like I remember that. I don't know, but I know for a fact, 100% fact, that we would not have any people on the college golf team. <laughs> <laughs> Mason Mason King could have played college Oh, they're golf good, golf. but, like, I guarantee you, they go out there and get smoked by one of them college golfers. And on top of it, the other dudes, like, if y'all would have seen them at Top Golf in Jacksonville, Florida, man, 
it was uh, it was look, a lot like me yeah. playing top golf, man. Yeah, and and Vince, I would, I would have liked you to see you step in a batting cage and try to hit a baseball. Oh, that's cake. Easy. I would oh, love to see that as well. I, I, Matt, I played AU baseball up until I was 14 years old. Like, can, I, mean, I, I would rather see in Matt there and hit a baseball, if you hit, if, if you just throw me, if I know a fastball is coming, I could probably hit it. Oh, if I know a fastball, here it is. You okay. just said I got cage. a nasty curveball. If I hop in a cage, I ain't going in there against a freaking 12 6 curveball or anything. Matt's throwing you a fucking Tim Wakefield knuckleball. Yeah, that's no what he's going to do. We used to have a coach that did throw knuckleballs to us growing up, and it was a fucking pain, man. It, that, thing, <laughs> that would suck, dude. That's incredible. Throwing All you right. an EFIS pitch. <laughs> right. For the sake of time, last one here on our What You Need to Know, jumping back to a previous topic that we discussed uh, last episode NCAA. Uh, college football 2024 the video game maybe the most anticipated video game from the sports perspective in the last 10 to 15 years i think the only thing that would outdo this is if 2k came back and got into the football game i'm telling you that would be incredible and that is now all of a sudden out of nowhere there is a loud voice telling players to boycott appearing in this game because Matt, I'm telling you, man, this game is in jeopardy because you now have a a player's union of sorts. And I would need to get some more information on if how legitimate this player's union is. I say that, but EA Sports is partnering with a organization from an NIL perspective to pay out athletes and the players who appear in this game. It's optional, by the way, will be paid out $500. That's it. There are no royalties based off of sales. There are no future deals. There are no other brand deals, nothing. $500. Now, that may sound like, okay, whether they want to be in the game. And a lot of them probably will still say, I want to do it. Like, I wasn't going to be in the game before. $500 in my pocket, I wasn't going to get anyways. But at the same time, though, guys around the country like the Caleb Williams, the Drake Mays, you know, the big-name players in college football, why would you do this, right? You could demand more money, and maybe you'll get it. But why would you allow – this to happen knowing that they need you right this is leverage this is what we've seen in all the professional sports leagues this this you know absolute switch in power and that's the athletes having the power i don't really think it's that personally like i don't think it's that deep really with a lot of those guys i mean it's a former clemson football player it is and i want to make sure i know i know but i'm going to tell the story of that uh justin Fal Sinelli. I'm going to hope that I'm pronouncing that right. Former starting <laughs> center national champion for Clemson. Uh, he now works um, in the NIL industry. He is working and representing the College Football Players Association. They have a union of sorts to protect the athletes, just like you see in, in the NBA, in the NFL, and NHL. Really, this next step in professional college sports, essentially, right? Justin has been claiming that there is no reason for these players to participate because it's not something uh, that they are getting value out of. He said they should not opt into it. It is just a ridicu- ridiculously low amount of money. Would love to see the new NCAA football game get made, but would love to see players get paid, get more than half of 1%, 0.05% essentially is what they're getting of revenue based off of what this, this game did back in 2014. A group licensing deal with a lower fee than the previous settlement and without royalties is a garbage deal. What did we just hear Trent Guy say? How much money did Trent Guy make from the the lawsuit against college football or EA Sports? Matt, I know you don't know because you don't listen to the show. Vince? 
How much money did he make? It was like at that. Ten grand. Yeah. Ten grand is how much Trent Guy got paid from that settlement. And now, you know, somebody like a, like, again, like Caleb Williams gets paid $500. The National Labor Relations Board is actually suing the NCAA and the Pac-12 and USC to try and, you know, recognize student athletes as official employees. So, like, I'm not, I don't think we're that far off from, like, an actual union forming. But until then, I don't think it's going to, that this is going to threaten the game coming out. If anything, I agree that these players, some of them probably should be getting more than $500. Now, maybe not the third string log snapper for Akron, but if you're like a Caleb Williams or a Marvin Harrison Jr. or a Drake May or a Joe All, like, yeah, make all the money you can. Like, you're going to be one of the best players in the game. Get get your market value. You already got enough money, Caleb Williams. That's what I'm saying, though. Don't Stop being petty. We all just want the freaking don't, don't game, man. Game, Take one like, for the team. Tough. That's going to wrap it up, but you need to know a longer edition of that, but a lot of great conversation around uh, some very interesting topics. So let's uh, let's transition here and talk about some actual Louisville football stuff. A lot of chatter, obviously, with the season getting closer now, officially under 100 days. And we know that thanks to Cardinal Strong, uh, our good friend of the show here with the 100-day uh, countdown, which is one of the best parts of the offseason of uh, Louisville every single season. But um uh, Jeff Brom, as I mentioned earlier at the top of the show, when we did uh, the segment there of, uh, of what you need to know, we talked about his media availability and just some of the comments and takeaways. So, Matt, I want to kind of go back to that now um, and just start at the top of what did you take away? What was the big thing in, in his media availability that stood out to you? Well, to be honest, so it was a fair amount of coach speak. I mean, well, that's one thing that I've, I've picked up about Jeff Brom is that, you know, it's it's coach speak, but it's interesting coach speak. But I think the the big message is that he's pretty satisfied with uh, his quarterback room and the and the depth that's in there. Because I mean, he was pretty intentional after spring ball about building out the depth in that room by bringing in Brady Allen from over at Purdue, where he was from, obviously, and then bringing in a former five star to walk on. When at a point where, and this is after Brady Allen comes in, so it's not like they needed another really need another body in that room. So, but you know, like Brom said, I believe it was in his introductory press conference that he, I mean, he's a Howard Schnellenberger understudy from his days as a player. So he's going to subscribe to the notion of have as many quarterbacks on the roster um, as, as he, as he needs and as he wants. So yeah, I, I, he seemed to really like the depth there. Obviously not all of them are going to have playing time, but I mean, with I mean we saw what happened to the running back room last year yeah and you, you don't want to happen that to happen to any position especially not quarterback so that, that that's the big thing that I took away from that availability yesterday that's yeah. gonna be the cool thing to watch Matt is like the depth at that quarterback position but if, say we do get in that situation like you know for a fact those guys behind him are going to be incredibly prepared for that situation to be put into that game and it I'm not going to say we won't skip a beat because obviously there's a reason there's two, three, four and five and so on and so on. But I mean, I'd feel good about our situation. I wouldn't be like, Oh my God, into the world type deal. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, that room, it's really impressive. Presley Meyer from state of Louisville wrote a great article, state of Louisville.com about the quarterback room and just how all of a sudden you go from having, you know, just a couple of guys to having, you know, a, a full five starting five on the basketball court of capable quarterbacks, uh, including, you know, a former four-star leader of the freshman class in 2023 in Pierce Clarkson, as well as guys who have played 
meaningful football, including one that's going to appear on the show here shortly in Brock Doman, as well as Evan Conley, who might as well at this point be a de facto second quarterback coach slash GA slash QC. Like he's bringing leadership and coaching to that room more so than he's bringing, uh, you know, something out on the field. Although I'm sure, you know, if he's healthy and he steps out there, that he's a guy that could play well in this offense. Uh, But I'm just really curious to see how it's going to go. Right. So we know, from the quarterback perspective, Jack Plummer is going to be the guy and is going to receive the lion's share of snaps. And outside of if, if an injury happens, we likely won't, likely won't see a ton of two quarterbacks at all. It would just be him, right? Because Louisville's in a position, as Jeff said, uh, quote, it's simple. The goal is to win now. That is how they have operated this offseason, and that is what they are here to do. Because if not, Pierce Clarkson would have been the starter or you know, they would have gone into a a season kind of like with Teddy and Will Stein where Brock and Evan are competing with Pierce rather than a guy who has, you know, really been a starter before. So you have Jack, right? And then you have Brock. I I personally think it's going to be Brock Doman as the backup this season. I I think for a guy who played last year uh, Mm -hmm. and his experience showed that he could win a football game and, and compete at the highest level as a backup, which that's all you can ask for. But you do have, you know, Brady Allen, who is a Jeff Brom protege of sorts. Uh, And then you have Pierce Clarkson, who I think you need to play at least three or four games or, you know, when there's blowouts, give him snaps and opportunities to see the field. He is not a guy I think that you can afford to go 12 games with no snaps, uh, considering what the portal has become. So. Uh, other than that, Vince, I don't know if you got to, I got a chance to listen to any of the press conference, but is there anything this offseason or anything in this conversation from a Jeff Brom perspective that kind of sticks out? Uh, no, but whenever I heard Miss uh, Miss Brom talking, uh, oh, I was getting emotional. Thing, man. <laughs> I got that. man, oh, that hit that hit my heart. I was like, oh, I'm so happy they're back. And it's hearing like all it. the stories of like how, uh, you know, Coach Brom, Coach Brom Oscar, uh, was talking about how, you know, if I ever need anything, I'll just go to Brady. I won't go to you all. That was hysterical. That is sick. That is just such a cool grandpa. Like, can you imagine sitting at their Thanksgiving table and just, like, the football you hear? Matt would have his laptop out. What would you say? Can you say that again? (laughs) What would you say? Oh, you said there's going to be two quarterbacks? And you're recruiting somebody else? We've heard this now throughout not only, like, the offseason and, you know, listening to – fans talk or listening to local radio or like Louisville football from an excitement standpoint is at a peak right now of a place that it's not been in years. And a part of that is because how connected this coaching staff is to the city. Uh, And it's an event like this where you got mom, dad, brothers, you know, sons, grandsons sitting in the audience, family, extended family. Like there, that is what they've been waiting for. When Jeff can sit there and point out uh, Dr. Mullen, who's the president of Trinity, be like, oh, Dr. Mullen, remember Greg could be on, could have been on the debate team at Trinity. Ha ha ha. I'm like, gee, I'm like, oh my gosh, like it is so deep how connected everything is now. I love that, man. It's, it's, but it really is. And that's why you asked a great, you know, great question. Um, in a couple of times throughout the offseason of what can fan, you know, expect from Jeff Brom as a, as a coach and, and what kind of excitement level does he bring? And everyone has really shared like, you know, that has been around him. Like he brings a new level of uh, just kind of juice to the program. And we're seeing that in real time. But speaking of Jack Plummer, I I wanted to kind of talk about this real quick before we transition into bringing Brock on uh, and then getting into the new segment, uh, Matt's five. We'll get into that for the first time this episode. And hopefully, as I mentioned, we'll, we'll bring that back throughout the year. But Jack Plummer is what is really interesting about Louisville because 
if you look around the ACC at the quarterback position, there's a lot of guys that are kind of fitting in three buckets. There's those studs, All-Americans, first-rounders. There's that next wave of guys who have played well. They've been either highly ranked or they have uh, you know outperformed expectations. You have those like proven veterans like the Brennan Armstrongs and Garrett Schraders and Phil Jerkoviches that have played in the ACC for 17 years. Um, and then you have these kind of like unproven guys at Emmett Moorhead at BC, who's going to fill in for Jerkovich, Mitch Griffiths, who will take over for Sam Hartman. Um, and then there's obviously competitive battles at schools like Virginia and Georgia Tech, where you really don't know who the starter is. But when you look at Jack Plummer, there's really it's a hard place to kind of fit him into any of those buckets. Yes, he's a proven veteran. But we still, I feel like we don't know who he is. Like, we know he's talented. We know that he has potential, but he's never had this, right? And help me, if you guys feel differently, please speak up. But, like, I feel like this season is all about how far he can take them. Like, that is going to be the difference this season is how good Jack Plummer is with a stud Surround like a surrounding stud filled lineup, right? The Kevin Coleman's, Jamari Thrash, the Damari Huggins, Bruce, the Jawar Jordans, an offensive line that's got veterans galore. I just feel like this team is really going to be predicated on how far he can take them. It, it's right now during the preseason, it's a little bit of an odd dynamic because it's gotten to the point where Louisville is not only generating local buzz, like hey, this team can be really good, it's been generating national buzz for the past what month plus or so about like oh hey this team could be like a dark horse to make it to the ACC championship game or you know things of that nature but then when you kind of get into the weeds and start breaking down like okay like who's going to be the best players on this team or like who are the best quarterbacks in the ACC Jack Plummer's name is almost never brought up I mean when when you're when fans are asked like to name like who you think is going to be the best player on Louisville team or who is the best player on Louisville team you think of and Ashton Gelati and Jamari Thrash or, you know, guys like that. And almost no one ever says Jack Plummer. But, I mean, if if Louisville is going to have the level of success that many people think they can, you almost need Jack Plummer to kind of elevate his play into the upper echelon of AC quarterbacks. I'm not saying be number one because, you know, it's hard to beat a guy like Drake May and Jordan Travis, both of which are are Heisman contenders right now. Right. But I mean, you, you want to be like just right on the outside, like around the cusp of those two right there. If Louisville's going to have a potentially a 10 win season. I mean, he could, I mean, Jacob, you've said it a couple of times on the show, I think like a Joe Burrow esque type of a season for him where, I mean, he has the most talent he's ever had around him. Now, you know, he might, I mean, he obviously was just waiting on his opportunity to just kind of, go out there and sling it to a bunch of guys and he's going to get this opportunity to come in the fall. So I'm, I'm anxious to see what it looks like for sure. I don't want it to be, uh, who was that quarterback that split time with Reggie Bonifant? Uh, Oh, Holy? uh, white guy. Gardner Gardner. Yeah. Couldn't stand Will watching Gardner. play football. Interesting. Yeah. I could mean, not stand watching like he's just a statue and stuff. And Jack doesn't seem a statue, like a statue yeah. by any means. Jack seems like he can move around a little bit more in the pocket, get five if we need it. Uh, 
slide yeah. like Brock likes we'll get to allude to later in the podcast. But yeah, uh, I just yeah. don't want him to be a statue and just be a bridge quarterback. Like you can be yeah. so much more than a bridge quarterback this year. Watching Jack, I mean, he he's not a scrambler, but yeah, but he's definitely not like a statue. He's, uh, if you've watched like any of the open practices or if you watch the spring game, it's clear that he has like some semblance of mobility when it comes to feeling pressure around the pocket and kind of navigating it to like give him some time to extend the play. It's not like he's a Tom Brady statue for sure. Like that, that era of quarterback is, is pretty much dead at this point. If you, I mean, if you are that kind of quarterback, you're, you're, it's almost the point where you're going to get looked over because like you almost need in this era of football, you almost need to have some yeah, aspect Rogers, of mobility. Rogers is like the only thing you could slightly compare to that. And even now, and like even he has yeah, his moments. Right. Yeah, how he's evolved his game. He's he's moving around in the pocket and stuff. I don't know. I'm I'm anxious. Jeff has has the most talent he's ever had. You know, quarterback has the most talent he's had around him. I mean, this is just a talented football team with guys that are kind of waiting to pop off. So we're sitting right here in limbo, just like anxious almost. Like I'm just anxious to get to week one and just yeah. And just get hit the field. Like, but, let's just go. But hey, it's it's a good problem to have having all this talent. It's like the Reds and all their middle end infielders. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> shut up. Shut up, man. Stop talking about baseball. I'm sorry. Matt, you have keep it an Zero audience, World man. Series. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Dude, like, geez. But no, so so I bring up that conversation. Gee, for a reason. Me, Jacob. Here's here's the, the the reason I bring this up, and this is going to become much more of a conversation in a few months, and then I'm going to text you guys their tweet that somebody says. And I'm going to be like, I said that two months ago, and you're going to be like, shut up. Nobody cares. But Louisville is not going to be picked where they should be this year in the ACC. No chance. Louisville is going to find themselves somewhere between about 6 to 10, just simply because there are teams – with more, I mean, okay, I'm just looking at a very early preseason prediction, and there are six teams ahead of Louisville in this one. Now, this is this is pretty all is over UNC one. No, Florida State, because Florida State, right? Florida now, State here's is like take. a top five. Florida team State now. might be a national uh, in the college football playoff next year. They are legit, and I'm so good. We don't have to I play with them. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> say something. That's else what I said Florida before. State. Last I believe season. it when and I they, see it, Florida and they, State. You heard and they me. looked, they looked damn good last season. Vince, like they that's last like, season. I don't care. Nobody cares. They're still that same old undisciplined team. They're yeah. a bunch of bunch of losers. They suck. Fans. From Florida State, never listen to this podcast. Shout out to the Florida State fans. (laughs) But then you have Clemson, North Carolina. This one doesn't make sense to me, but this is the ACC. Miami, Duke. So Pitt. I mean, and Louisville. I mean, Duke's going to be good, but I wouldn't put them in. Duke is not going to be good at football. But they've got a good coach and they have a good quarterback. So I'm not saying Duke is going to win the ACC. Duke is going to have a good team. Do you think they'll win seven or more? Probably. I'd have to look at their schedule. I bet you twenty dollars right now. They do not. Let me look at their schedule right now. We're gonna make this. No, don't look at the schedule. (laughs) Just make the bet, Matt. Don't look at the schedule. Just make the bet. What was the what was the win total? Duke is not good at football. They said seven. What was the win total, Vince? Seven. 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 Okay, let's see. One, two, three. You get seven or more. Seven or more. You're so bad. Bet, 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 twenty dollars right here. Schedule. Let me look at PFF and see what PFF says about. Freaking Florida State running three slants. <laughs> Bet. Louisville's not going to be where they should be, and it's going to be because they lost a lot of talent. 
specifically on the defensive side, you don't you don't just replace Yaya Diabis and Yasir Abdullah's. Like that's that's tough, right? Like it's going to be a, a tall task for Louisville. But I don't think people understand the capability and dynamic a uh, dynamic uh, ceiling of this team. Like this team could be a now this is far like very far like very uh like non-conservative approach here but they could be a 10-win team in the regular season but they could also be a team that the quarterback struggles the defense has a hard time finding itself you know the linebacker depth situation hurts them the tight end depth the kicking game and special teams game hurts them and so it is kind of hard to peg where Louisville belongs and Unfortunately, Jeff Brom is going to probably catch a little bit of stray from Scott Satterfield and the fact that media writers are going to look at Louisville. Um, you know, they'll look at them as being like on the way up, but still this year, it's too many of Satterfield's players. There's too many, you know, bridge players. It's a, whatever. When in reality, all right, bet. Because I think they could win 10 games. Yeah. And I think a lot of it when it comes to like national perception, like a lot of people are going to see the fact that it's, yeah, it is Jeff Brom, but I mean, it's a, it's, it's a what new have you coach done for first year. What have you done for me lately? Kind of. Well, world, that, you know and it's, I mean? it's, it's a, it's the first year of a transition. So a lot of people are going to be, have that predisposition to thinking, Oh, there might be a little bit of a, a struggle at time. And plus, and I know I haven't really mentioned this since he first got hired because like, there's been a lot of like good momentum around here, but it bears repeating that. Jeff Brown, while he was really good against the upper echelon teams that he faced, he was prone to some inexplicable stinkers from time to time. Yeah, I, and that's one thing. Like, I like if I could just have a matter of fact conversation of like, what did you learn from those those games, right? Because they had a lot of highs at Purdue, right? They beat Ohio State, they beat Iowa. You know, they beat uh, they went to the Big Ten championship. They've done a lot of like groundbreaking things at Purdue. But they also lost to Rutgers, and they also lost, you know, to Iowa ran the ball all over them last season. Iowa, they had the worst offense I've ever seen, and they ran the ball all over them. That's like that's one of the kind of like things I'm interested to see if if that happens. Like what happens like to the honeymoon stage when if for uh, Jeff Brom loses to Duke or if Jeff Brom loses to IU in Week Three, like that type of like. Because if you think about all the if games, if they lose to Indiana, if we lose I know, but Indiana, you, I will let you shave my head. Okay, that's a fun bet too. I don't really want them to lose, so I'm not making that bet. But I'm just saying, like, we saw Louisville lose a lot of games in the Satterfield era that they shouldn't have lost, i.e., Georgia Tech in 2020, where you're up by 14 points in the third quarter and you somehow lose by 17 points or 21 points. You you get on me about excuses, okay? <laughs> that was some bull, man. I couldn't even signal to Malik. Me and Malik are sitting over here bitching to the ref because we're like, this is not legal. In between plays, they are doing the strobe light stadium <laughs> flicker, and we're like, this is this is not legal. That's this some is, Clemson a, a play right That's out of Clemson's Clemson playbook, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right. But my point being is just that, that it, it's going to be an interesting type of placement for Louisville this preseason. But when you look at talent, and we're going to get into this with Matt's five. Not only is there a lot of talent that stands up out, but there is a lot of guys who have been underutilized, who with the right coaching, with the right tutelage, with the right tools are going to come alive offensively and defensively. This is going to be a different team that you're going to see. I think when we go out there to Atlanta week one, we're going to look at this team and we're going to be like, these dudes played here last year. 
These same, <laughs> you're telling me that's the same team that played here last year. And not as if they were, I mean, they won eight games, went to a bowl game. Like, I mean, you know, it's not the year they expected, but still, I think we're going to have those kind of moments where it's like, damn, this team is like, they're fast. They're talented. They look like an NFL team. Like when they're on the sidelines, there's no more small 260 pound <clears throat> offensive linemen and defensive linemen. This is a legitimate team. That's going to be ready to play big boy football. And Jeff Brom, if there's anything I know about him, he's not coming here to lose. Like you don't come home and then just start getting your ass kicked. Like <laughs> that's how you end up. That's <laughs> you say? Oh, wait, that's good. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side. Brock Doman's going to join us, and we're going to talk about uh, the Cards Youth Football Camp that Brock Doman is uh, hosting here, the second year of the camp uh, out there at the King Louis Sports Complex in Middletown uh, behind the Blind Squirrel, which uh, Vince and Matt, we recently we got to hang out recently for my 30th birthday. You guys got to see me uh, on, a, on a night where I'm just I'm flowing, I'm bopping. The Blind Squirrel was a great place to be that night. Yeah, beer's expensive there. It is expensive there, but they is expensive. Hey, mine. I didn't have to buy oh, one. Oh, beer's so not I that expensive? Karam's bait and tackle with J-Town. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Speaking of J-Town, I want to remind you, L&M Eats, episode number three coming soon. Just wrapped up filming at Parlor uh, out in J-Town, the new location, uh, with some very special guests and John and Aaron Yarmouth. Uh, uh, incredible episode, a lot of fun. And there is some really cool energy between Madden and John and Luke and Aaron. A uh, lot of fun. The episode I can't wait for you all to see. But make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel at the State of Louisville uh, and follow those guys on Twitter, Madden Sanker, Luke Burgess, and the LM Eats accounts. Continue to support them. Their merch, you can buy that at T-Shirt Hooligan. Uh, and uh, we will be right back on the other side. Uh, speaking of NIL, Brock Doman will join us and we'll talk about his camp. We're excited to welcome in Louisville football quarterback Brock Doman. Uh, Brock has got a football camp coming up here in Louisville in just a few weeks. Uh, actually, just what ten days from today. And so we're going to talk with Brock about the camp, but also, of course, we got to talk to Brock about Brockisms. Uh, I don't know, Brock, if you remember <laughs> seeing the picture uh, last year from our account of your face photoshopped on, onto a Brock Hampton album after the Virginia game, but we went a little in on the Brockisms <laughs> last year. So we'll talk about all of that. But first of all, man, welcome into the show. How are you? Uh, how excited are you that football is less than 100 days away? Very excited. Stupid excited, man. Just got a new field. Um, there's there's obviously a lot of new energy uh, with this team. So, yeah, I'm really excited to, to see us come together and put on a show this fall. A lot of weapons added this offseason. A lot of things offensively uh, to be excited about. And, of course, you know, with the coaching change, uh, a new scheme and everything for you. But uh, let me start by asking you this, okay? This is one of the questions that I think if I could have asked you last year, I would have asked you first outside of like, you know, how awesome was that moment against Virginia? But how, like, tell me, like, after the game, you get texts, and how many of them were about how bad the announcers butchered your last name for a full game? I definitely got over <laughs> 10 texts about that. Um, no, it's Doman. I don't know. I feel like announcers, man, they – they got a lot going on, so pronunciation's probably not um, the biggest priority for them. But yeah, I mean, I don't think it's that big of a that hard of a last name right. to pronounce, to be honest. Yeah. So it's just like it's it's a little confusing. Like it's not some like long like you know 
uh, like Giannis Antetokounmpo, Antetokounmpo, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, it's, I don't know, man. It, like, I could see, like, Doman, if somebody was like, yo, you know, Doman, Doman, but Doman felt so uh, intentional. Like, next question. <laughs> Did you hear any good, what we would call Brockisms last year? You know, Brocktober, because obviously the Virginia game was in October. Did you hear any good jokes or any good puns using your name on campus after that moment? There was a lot, you know. I, I don't know what happened, but it just took fire for, yeah, a good two, three weeks. You don't know what happened. You blew up in the Virginia game, bro. That's what happened, man. You had a phenomenal game. Yeah, appreciate that. Honestly, my favorite is definitely Brocktober. You know, that's still that's still talked about sometimes. Um, man, it's a classic. Like with this with this new staff, you know, there's some guys. Uh, one of them being like Raheem Craig. He's a D lineman. He'll be like randomly sometimes. You're like, man, these guys don't know about Brocktober. Let us go. It's awesome, but I mean, shoot, there are some other ones I don't really remember specifically. Rock your socks off, rock and roll. Keep them going. I know there's one that I'll remember. You're gonna make me go back to the episode show notes after Virginia because I legit had a list of about 50 of them that I used throughout the show. It's a big moment. I heard rock out with your Brock out, and I'm like, okay, that's enough, guys. That that one, yeah, that one hit. That that's the one I (laughs) wanted to remember. Rock out with your Brock out. That's all right. Last thing before we jump into football, we were talking a little bit about this before the show. Two things actually. One, is there a food? that you eat out of a can or a jar that if people knew, they may think differently of you? Uh, And secondly, were you a two-sport athlete in high school? And was there any consideration of playing two sports in college? We were talking about your teammate, Brian Hudson, competing in the track and field national championships. Was there a two-sport possibility for you? Uh, Because for us, the one sport wasn't even happening, let alone a second. Except for Vince, man. Of course, Vince. I got hurt. Yeah, I know, right? But you weren't playing baseball out there for Danny, Danny Mack, man. He wasn't. You weren't. You weren't quite there yet. I mean, I believe. Boys didn't want me. I could have threw sidearm out there, and it would have been sick. It's not weird, I don't think. But the only food I eat out of a can is is peaches. Okay. Oh, see, we didn't okay. even think about That's, that one in the no. fruit department, Jacob. Yeah, we yeah. had a hot debate about this, Brock. I mean, it was it was going on for a while, from like sardines guys, to peanut what, butter. What foods were you guys debating? Yeah, so I eat applesauce like out of the little cups, but I slurp uh, them like a drink. <laughs> no, bro. See, that's what I say, Matt. Matt, what was yours? Because it was just as so, bad. I, I well, I said Jello. But Jello that, and pudding. So the same thing. I mean, yeah, that's I a little better though. I, I can I can deal with that. I'm not. And, I have zero pride, Brock. I'll eat like sardines and other shit. I don't care. I, I, mean, I don't care. <laughs> and see, then then I followed mine up with, you know, like when you go to a breakfast restaurant, like a Cracker Barrel or an IHOP, and like with the 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 condiments, when you have those like little containers of jelly, like those little small ones, yeah. I'll eat those sometimes. <laughs> see, Brock's going to see for media availability now, and he's going to be like, man, that's the guy that eats the fucking jelly out of the package. What a weirdo. <laughs> All right, second, oh. second sport. What was your second sport outside of football? Because I would imagine uh, that you played multiple sports. Yeah, no, I played basketball, but I mean, man, I was really just like a three-point specialist. I was that white boy that came. Gym rat. You know, yeah, gym rat. I, I came worker, off the, the double Sneakily screens, athletic. <laughs> the double screens to hit the three on the top of the key, you know. Yes. Um. Yeah. No, I mean – 
But I mean, no, I had zero shot of playing basketball at the Division One level. No way. I thought you would have been a baseball guy. You seem like just a perfect like a pitcher. Like, third base so shortstop. You know, what's weird is usually playing quarterback and pitcher are correlated, but I was not a good pitcher. Wow. When I played when I played baseball, I uh, I was third base. I was not a pitcher. Yep. See, that's what I would have guessed. I would have guessed. But um. But I think it's because I picked up a football before I picked up a baseball. It yeah. probably messed with your arm slot a little bit. <laughs> yeah, typically it's the other way around. If you pick up baseball, you can, you know, translate to football pretty easily. But no, because I mean, I was taught when I was younger, like Peyton Manning's form was like the perf was the form. Oh yeah, straight over so top. So very, yep. very over the top where baseball is nothing like that. Or nowadays, yeah. kids, everyone wants to be Patrick Mahomes, and it's just like. Well, yeah, that's me, man. That, just it's absolutely terrible. It's it's terrible form though for these young kids. I'm just like, you gotta. Maybe first... if you're a short, maybe if you're a shortstop. Yeah, no, you're right. Anyways, I'll, right. I'll get us back on track and talk about actual foot on field football stuff. Talk. Speaking of your October name coming from the Virginia game, heading into that week, knowing that Malik Cunningham wasn't going to play because he had the concussion, what was your overall mental headspace heading into that game. And then after the first quarter of that game, once you got kind of just the, maybe a little bit of nervousness out of the way, and then you really started to click. How did, how did your mental, your mentals for lack of a better way of saying it transition over the weekend into the game? Yeah. I mean, um, it kind of didn't really feel real until like we were warming up and, or, we were on our way there and Malik, you know, wasn't on the plane just cause, um, yeah, it, it just didn't feel real for a while. Um, that whole week, because I've been preparing, like I was going to play the whole season. Cause I, you just have to. Um, and so the week necessarily didn't feel different, but, um, yeah, once we touched down Virginia, that's when it really hit me. And honestly, it was just a lot of joy of like, you know, I'm an older guy um that you know had zero offers out of high school went juco got a scholarship to an fcs hated it went back to juco and then and found myself here as the only power five offer was louisville um so um it was just a lot of joy of like understanding and realizing like all the patience and hard work, like was worth it, you know, being able to play, you know, for me, what is filled up my cup so much was when I got to play against Clemson in the second half, because I got to play in front of 80,000 people and the best competition in America. And that's all you can ask for as a competitor is like, I, I want to be on the biggest stage against the best competition even though we lost that game, like I had 175 yards and a half and a touchdown in the last play. And it was just like, to me, that's when I was like, okay, like who I think I am, I actually am. Like I can compete with the best of the best. Like I do deserve to be on this field with these elite athletes. Um, so yeah, it was just, that was amazing. But to, to get back to your question of, um, so my mental, the first quarter man was just like, shoot, I knew I had one game. So this was an audition and 
there's this perfectionism in me. It's like, mm. you know, if you remember the first series, um, it's like third and three. We run these crossers. They um, cover it up. I go to run for the first down. There's like four dudes right there. I slide thinking I got the first down. They marked me half a yard short, fourth and inches. I get ringed up by Sat. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Do you think we slide in this program? You know? <laughs> That's and, all the uh, Coach Pons coming out of them right there. Yeah, right. <laughs> There's four dudes right there. He's like, you run them over. <laughs> He's just um, like, what would you have done, <laughs> So I was already like, well, that's one series gone. Like, um, I, I was just kind of really like nitpicking myself from that point on of like once I made that slit, I was like, I almost like didn't trust myself for the next like two or three series because I was like, oh, was that the wrong decision? Should I have, you know, hospitalized myself for one more yard (laughs) um and so there's a little bit of that going on um and then you know it got pretty bad in the first quarter so I was like you know what you can't do much worse than this man let's turn this thing around and the perfect moment came where everyone in in the stands and on the field believed that Jawar had the ball and you know, mm-hmm. once I took that, once I took that rush down to the crib, that's when really everything opened up for me, uh, confidence-wise. And it doesn't matter how much you do, you do a play over and over again in practice until you, you know, feel yourself executing in a game. It's, it's um, getting into a rhythm is is not easy. So I, I definitely encourage offensive coordinators out there, like get some quick game going on early for these QBs because it's important. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, Brock, in, that, in, like, the Clemson game, coming out of the bullpen like that. Uh, is there quick, like, quick game, something specific that you might want to hit trying to get in rhythm, or are you like, all right, let's go ahead, let's go for it. If you want to take a shot, we can take a shot right here. Yeah, no, I'm the type that I would love, like, a running back screen first play mm-hmm. or, um, you know, a quick hitter – quick game wise, you know, whether it's slants or outs or hitches, like I think it's important just to see, you know, it's kind of like making that first basket, just seeing it go down the net, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like seeing that ball go into their hands and um, you know, whether it's five yards or a first down or whatever it is, um, you know, that naturally just kind of gets me specifically in a rhythm of like, all right, let's do this thing. We're in it. You just said Jacob's buzzword in slants. He loves slants. Look, man, I'm telling you, you got a fast <laughs> wide receiver who's a little bit strong. It's unstoppable. I'm telling you, man. Chris Bell. My man. Yeah. Slant yeah. king, right? I mean, yeah. he looks like a guy who could run a good slant. Right. I'm here so, for that. He's, he's built like damn Anquan Bolden. So, setting them head, uh, head up to Cincinnati, right? Uh, you guys do the bowl game. Phenomenal job there and everything. And uh, Jeff gets announced as a new uh, head coach. Obviously, new offense, new everything coming in, new strength staff. What has that been like adjusting to the new coaches, adjusting to new schedules, I'm sure, new practice schedules, uh, everything, really? Um, it's been it's been really great. Like, I, I honestly 
wanted a, a shift in direction of this program after. Um, so, so seeing a new staff come in was in favor of, of where my head and heart was at, to be honest. And um, it's so cool having a family that has such a, a pride about their hometown and obviously coaching and playing here. Like just this program's in such good hands. Like I wish, I wish my eligibility was just starting, honestly. Um, <laughs> oh, you and me both. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, wow, like this is what Louisville's been waiting for. And I just, I just get, you know, a little smidge of it, but no, I'm really grateful for it. Um, their, their offense is, so at first it was very uh, overwhelming a little bit of like, you know, the simplicity of the last offense compared to the complexity of this offense. Um, but man, it's been so awesome. And I, just being able to attack uh, this, this new offense um, has been such a blessing. And I really feel like any of us that has aspirations to play at the next level, like such a great preparation for, um, that terminology for that level of um, really responsibilities all of us have. And, you know, we do a lot of RPOs. And so with RPOs comes just um, a level of decision-making at the quarterback level that takes uh, just uh, a greater understanding than I've had to have before. Yeah. And, and you guys have, uh, you know, former Louisville legend, Brian Brom is your quarterback coach who's obviously spent some time in the NFL and, you know, bounced around there and uh, was with Jeff at Purdue and stuff. So what's it like, you know, being coached by a guy like that, who's been through this program at your position, knows where you're at, uh, you know, has played at the highest level, knows the RPO game like that. Uh, I'm sure it's very insightful, you know, even if you don't have plans on playing in the NFL, if you wanted to coach or something like that one day, I'm sure he's somebody's brain that you would love to just pick. Yeah. No, what I love about the Brahms is they're they're all about ball and they are um, extremely intelligent uh, about the game of football. And so um, and and then also just having the level of respect that, you know, I've never had a quarterback coach that played in the NFL. Um, you know, I, at my FCS, I had a quarterback coach that was looking up stuff on youtube before meetings oh hell you know? no oh so, no. i have a shot at coaching in college football if that's the case man <laughs> i'm excited you know, and, he was, and he was a receiver coach for like six years before that and really just the recruiting guy that like doesn't like his family and just is on the road all the time so oh my god going from that to obviously louisville legend brian brom like just um i, I really soak up a lot of what he has to say um, there's obviously a high level of respect from, for him, uh, um, from all of us in the QB room. And, uh, you know, he, he's the little, he, you know, Jeff's going to get into you now and, <laughs> and, and Brian's going to be there to be like, you know, Hey, he's, he's a little bro. more calm. <laughs> like, hey bro. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> what were you thinking here? Um, so yeah, Brian, um, Brian's really cool, really cool guy. So yeah, he's the kind of guy you would want to drink beers with and go golfing. And and you had mentioned how like when the Brahms first came in and tried to install the offense, how with the the pro system, the pro terminology that at first your eyes were kind of wide and you're looking at this like, what the hell am I am I doing? But you fast forward to the spring game 
And, you know, Jack Plummer is obviously only going to play like a, a couple series and then he's done. So you get an extended run in the spring game. It seemed like you had a pretty firm grasp on everything you had learned on the spring. You you looked seemingly pretty comfortable. Is, is that is that how you felt Aww. in the spring game? Matt, that was sweet. That was really Appreciate sweet. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah man. No, that was I, nice. I definitely, I, <laughs> I definitely felt comfortable. Um, I mean, to my my dad and I, he's helped me a lot of I put the whole um, offense into an Excel, uh, an Excel spreadsheet and, um, you know, organized it by formation and really just, you know, went to studying. And so, um, you know, I just really, you know, I really wanted to sh- show the staff and myself that, you know, I can pick up things quickly and, and be viable, um, asset for this team in the fall. Um, and so, yeah, hopefully I showed that. So I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it took a while, but at the same time, like, this is why I'm here. You know, I'm already graduated. Um, I'm all about ball. So, um, you know, I was actually looking at plays uh, before this call. So it's just you got to constantly have your head in, head in the playbook so you know what the heck you're doing out there. You'll really appreciate Vince because Vince and I will just be like having a beer and I'll, you know, check my phone to see my wife texting me. I look over and this man's drawing football plays. Yeah, he's drawing up like white yeah. <laughs> That's what he does for fun. His drawing right? football like it's just, plays. It's got it's to be an obsession. And if it's not, like, what am I doing? That's, that's honestly hey, listen the best to this way to play learn right, that. right here. <laughs> that's the best way to learn that offense, though. Because, I mean, him and Petrino have a very similar style of offense. And that's what they always told us. Uh, whenever we were underclassmen, it was like group everything into families. And it sounds like yeah. that's kind of what you're doing with, you know, the Excel spreadsheets. So that's pretty cool to see all that stuff still being passed down and utilized in the, the old Petrino understudy guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about some camp right now. I got a five-year-old daughter. We're talking about camp all the time. What kind of camps can she go to? And I'm sure there's a lot of parents out there that are interested in getting their their sons or daughters out on the football field to learn the game from a D1 Power 5 quarterback. So tell us a little bit about the Cards Youth Football Camp. Uh, I know you did this last year. This year it's coming up on uh, Saturday, June 17th at the King Louie Sports Complex, back behind the Blind Squirrel for all of my East Enders. They know about the Blind Squirrel. The parents of the kids going to camp know about the Blind Squirrel. But that's uh, where you can find Brock. So, Brock, tell me a little bit about the camp, what uh, what everybody can expect, how they can sign up, all that good stuff. So it's from 8.30 a.m. till noon, and uh, there's going to be 25, including myself, um, cards football players um, what's awesome about this year is there's going to be even more like big name guys there like Ashton Gelati um, Michael Gonzalez Brian Hudson um, Jawar will be back um, we're going to get Jabari Thrash out there uh, we're going to get a um, whole bunch of dudes out there I'm so grateful for my teammates for being so willing to help out um, man, I'm excited because last year was obviously the first year and um, there was so much to learn from it. Um, it. It went really well, but there was just so much that I didn't know um, being 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 the first time. So I feel a lot more comfortable going into this year. And um, yeah, what to expect is just basic, you know, entry level 
football skills and drills um, where anyone and everyone needs to learn the basics. Um, you're going to have a very good ratio of coaches to participants. Um, last year we had a, a four to one ratio this year. We're expecting about the same um, and, and very minimal lines. So awesome. as a, as a person that wants to get their money's worth out of a camp, like you're going to get a lot of reps and you're going to get a lot of interaction with um, our coaches. And so I think that's huge. And then, you know, the other thing that I think we make um, an emphasis on is when um, our when the kids are getting a water break, um, I bring up one of my teammates and, you know, for three to five minutes, they just speak on either a part of their story or a, a trait that's helped them get to the Division One level. And so we're trying to really uh, speak into these kids um, as much as we can during the camp we're going to have three or four separate water breaks where we do this and just like, you know, really share some inspirational, motivational things of how these kids can walk away from this camp, um, a better version of themselves and hopefully inspired to, um, you know, if, if their dream is football to, to pursue that, but if it's something else, just, you know, look within themselves and, and believe in themselves. And that's really our goal. And our goal is to impact this community in a positive way um, and use our influence while we got it um, because it's, it's, it's short lived. So uh, we all want to, you know, utilize this platform and, and hopefully uh, give out a, a very entertaining camp. So my question for you is what's the first thing, you know, I assume you're with the quarterbacks or whatever group of a station of quarterbacks that you have there. What's the first thing you would teach these kids being a basic for them? I've, besides trying to like how you hold a football. I don't know. That's probably the first thing you do mention to them. I always talk about feet and eyes create the throw. So I think too often um, people think that throwing the ball has to do with your arm, which I mean, it does, but your, your feet and your eyes is what creates accuracy. If your feet and your eyes are off, it doesn't matter what your arms can, your, your arm follows. So um, really just, you know, digging into them of, you know, Hey, don't try to throw this ball all arm. I really create ground force energy with your feet and then make sure your eyes are in the correct spot. Um, because, you know, our brain is such a beautiful computer and it needs to be able to calculate, you know, where it's going um, and so your eyes are really, really important too. Um, so yeah, the, those are the two, two things I would tell them first, but honestly, I'm going to be emceeing the camp. So I won't be, I won't be helping out too much with drills. That's why I got my, my teammates with me. I'm going to be on the mic, man, getting after it. He's going to teach everybody how to brock around the clock, man. That's what he's going to do. Oh brock and roll up there. That's what it's all about, man. They're going to leave experts in brock and roll. See what you brock. do, Brock. You see what you do. I'm so happy you won that Virginia game and you bought out, but this is what you've created. Oh, man. <laughs> is where you can register for the camp. Uh, again, Saturday, June 17th, 8.30 a.m. to 12 p.m. And it looks like you got a little Chick-fil-A breakfast happening out there, man. Chick-fil-A minis. Yeah. I might come out there just for that. Right. Yes. We got, we got Chick-fil-A for everyone um, before we start the camp. And then uh, blaze pizza 
they're not delivering, but they're giving out uh, vouchers. Okay. For, for free pizza uh, for after the camp. Um, yeah, man. Our, our sponsors, shout out to our sponsors. Um, they've really made this thing run so smoothly this year. Absolutely, man. And I mean, for the, the hands-on uh, teaching and tutelage that they're going to get and just the ability uh, for these kids to be around division one college football players. I can, I know, you know, Matt, Vince, and I all have probably memories as kids being around players for U of L and what that did for us. And so you're right, man. It's all about that next generation of fans. Uh, so check out the website. You can enroll uh, or, or get signed up for the camp there. Is there a cutoff for signups or are you guys doing walk-ups or anything like that? Yeah, we're, just... also do, we're doing walk-ups, man. Okay, awesome. Well, there you go. No excuses. Get out there Saturday, June 17th. Cards Youth Football Camp hosted by Brock Doman and Cards Football Players. And you heard the man. A lot of teammates going to be out there. Uh, I might come out there, man. I might see if I can. I I don't know football. So, I mean, I know I can talk football, but I didn't play football. So, I mean, you talk about the fundamentals, man. We we might start from from the beginning. and, And who knows? I could be you know, calling plays for uh, FCS program by the end of the night, you know, after, <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you just never know, man. That's it's that kind of camp with Brock Doman. Brock, thanks so much for taking time out of your night uh, to join us. And uh, again, make sure you all go up and, and sign up your kids for the camp uh, and Brock, we'll catch up with you soon, brother. That was good. Thank you for having me on. And we will transition here to the final part of the show. A big thank you to Brock Doman for joining us uh, to talk about the camp. And I, I guys, I mean, you know, fifty five dollars for a for a camp where you're getting to interact with nineteen to twenty Louisville football players, including like some guys that could be all ACC guys like mm-hmm. Brian Hudson who who are national champions. I bet he eats something. Jamari really cool. Thrash. Mm-hmm. Brian Hudson eats something cool out of a can. No doubt he does. I don't know He's what an it offensive is. Offensive lineman. That's like he a requirement. Is. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. But fullback sure like Scott Scott County or something he, like yeah, that. Yeah, he's from, so from Maysville, yep. Kentucky. Yep. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but let's dive into a new segment on the show. But tonight we introduce to you Matt's five, where we will give you a breakdown of whether it be players, things you need to know. Whatever it is, Matt will give you his list of five. And tonight we are going to look at players for Louisville football that are flying under the radar. And this is really interesting um, considering the show we've had so far, right? Where we've talked about uh, Jack Plummer being very much under the radar and Louisville probably going to take a hit from that when it comes to preseason polls. Uh, we've talked about all these guys that have come in from the, you know, from some of the big schools and they didn't play a lot like a Marcus Washington at Georgia, or you bring in some of the guys like a storm duck that are coming in back to the ACC to really supplant themselves as a, you know, top corner in the country, you know, all the way to Ashton Gelati got to prove that he is a, a Yasir Abdullah, Yaya Diaby type. So Matt, Give us from five to one. It doesn't have to be in order, but just the the, the like make it in order. I want it in order. Uh, don't listen, don't order. listen, Jacob. Give us your your five players for Louisville football who are flying under the radar as we this head is, into twenty twenty three. This is a little bit difficult because there were there were a lot. There's a lot of potential star power on this team, so it's it, it was kind of a little bit difficult to find some guys that were truly under the radar, but. This is my list to end up going with. I found two on the offense, three on the defense. I'm going to start with the offense first. Obviously, with a with the shift to a system that's you know very pass heavy, the running game is going to be I don't want to say on the back burner, but it's not going to be as huge of an emphasis as it as it was in years past under Satterfield, who loved to run the hell out of the ball. And of course, that being said, it's easy to say like, oh yeah, Jar Jordan's probably going to be like under the radar. He's still going to be the starter and. 
just looking at how Purdue had ran the ball, I mean, Devin Mockaby last year as as a walk on had 900 yards, so it's not too far under the radar. So my under the my first under the radar pick is Maurice Turner. Even though Louisville is not going to run the ball as much, he's still going to be someone to really look out for because if any, if any of you guys made it out to the spring to the open spring practices, checked that out. Even at the spring game, there were times where not only did Maurice Turner look really good, he there were times where he looked better than Jar Jordan. And that's not to say that Jar Jordan looked bad during spring because he looked good the entire spring. But whenever you've got a skill set like Maurice Turner, and this is someone who went stride for stride with Tyreek Hill in a foot race and won. So when you've got a skill set like him, there's only a matter of time before like it comes through and, and the Reds just went on a walk-off home run. Sorry to interrupt there, but you know, go Reds. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> go Reds. Anyways, but yeah, even though they're not going to run the ball as much, I think Maurice Turner is going to be a little underappreciated. It, it is underappreciated right now just because of that fact. And I tra- use that to transition into the fact that because they pass the ball so often, there's a couple guys that are getting a lot of love right now, you know, and deservedly so. Like you know, the Jamari Thrashes, the Kevin Coleman because he had a, he had a really good standout spring. But I think someone who is flying under the radar um, amongst the receiving core is Amari Huggins Bruce, and that is because that's that's mainly a byproduct of the fact that. He wasn't really utilized that much under Satterfield. I mean, it was very obvious multiple times that he has a load of potential. And if he is utilized the right way, whether that be in the slot, out wide, wherever lined up on the football field, he can be a deadly weapon. And he just wasn't utilized that much. And he he's got a wide receiver one potential. Granted, it's going to be hard to really be a wide receiver one when you've got a guy like Jamari Thrash, who's probably going to be a thousand yard receiver this year. But I think a player who has the bet, the bet, one of the better chances to be quote unquote wide receiver two right behind um, Thrash is Huggins Bruce, just because he's got familiarity with being around, being here in Louisville. He's going to be in a system where he's able to thrive more. So I, I think that's someone that, quite frankly, not a lot of people are talking a lot about more. Yeah, he's, he's a dude that Grant Mulligan and I will die on a hill about that set and then we're not utilizing him correctly. Like, oh, we absolutely. will literally, you will, you'll be hard-pressed to find two people that will down that hill before us. Absolutely. And so anyways, those are my two guys on the offensive side of the ball. Now I'm going to transition to defense for my three guys on that side of the ball. They're flying under the radar. I'm going to start on the defensive line with none other than Jared Dawson because he – Obviously, when you look at his overall stat line, it's not exactly someone that jumps off something that jumps off the page. He wasn't the most impact impactful with, from a stat line perspective. But if you actually just watch the games, he is shoving offensive line offensive linemen around. He's dictating leverage at the at the point of attack. And even even in the spring, when he got a fair amount of run. Over just you know rotating in and out, whether it be with the ones, the twos, at nose, at D tackle, he just looked incredible. Well, I'm I'm not going to say he he was the best, 
but he is someone that I think when you talk about the overall defensive line rotation, especially in the middle of the line, Jared Dawson is going to be firmly in the thick of things just because of how much of a, a force in the middle he is. And I transitioned from that, from the defensive line to the guys right behind them in the linebacking core. I know the linebacking core is not going to be really, really great, or at least we think as of right now, it's not going to be really great because of the the lack of depth and relative inexperience at inside the linebacker. But I think someone who's flying under the radar um, in that group is Ben Perry. And I say that partially because with the amounts of relative, like with how thin inside backer is, that might lead to Ben Perry playing a little bit more inside than we probably anticipated. Because obviously he's going to be the starting the starter at this star position, which is basically a hybrid linebacker safety. But given the the linebacker situation right now, I mean, you can see, you can see situations where you see a Ben Perry or a Gilbert Frierson or an Antonio Watts, who's been taking reps at star kind of slide in over at inside backer from time to time. And in, even when you have lineups like that, that just adds more versatility because you've got a, a linebacker who can essentially act as another defensive back on the field. But when you look at that group as a whole, Ben Perry's got the most talent. He's got the most versatility in the spring. He was just flying around the ball. He was making plays in the box. He was making plays in coverage. And I think, I really think when you're, when you're, when you're ranking the guys who are primed to break out and not just guys who are flying under the radar, Ben Perry has got to be top three, if not the guy to really watch out for when it comes to guys having a breakout year. And finally, I'm going to wrap up this segment with a guy in the secondary. And my last guy flying under the radar is Quincy Riley. Ooh, now, like that one, Matt. Mm-hmm. Now, he's going to be really flying under the radar because when you look at that area of the field as a whole, both cornerback and safety, it's it's kind of crowded right now, crowded with both bodies and talent because you've got Jarvis Brownlee who even though he was up and down last season he's had a good spring and he was still productive from a statistical standpoint you've got guys like uh, Marquise Groves Gillibrew coming in and Marcus Washington you've got Storm Duck who's an all already an all ACC uh, corner coming in he's probably going to be him and Jarvis that are going to be probably the most if I had to guess right now who are going to be the starting cornerback duo is probably going to be Jarvis and uh, Storm and then you look at the at the back end, and you've got guys like MJ Griffin, Josh Minkins, Devin Neal. I, I say all that to say the secondary is crowded. But then who was it that led Louisville in interceptions last year? Quincy Riley had three of them. Everyone, uh, several other guys in the roster had two of them. And you, you can make a case that Quincy was probably one of the better man-to-man cover corners not named Keetro Clark. He's just got buried in the defensive back rotation, and then that just happens. But, you know, it's a good problem to have when you have that much talent that you kind of get buried. But this is someone who didn't get the reps that he probably should have gotten last year because it's very clear that he has talent. And when Jarvis was kind of having his struggles, like when you know, his peaks and values, when he was at his peaks, it was probably times where maybe Quincy Raleigh gets in for a series or two. And I think, it's going to be a little bit difficult for him to say to see an, an an increase in PT this year with how crowded the secondary is as a whole, but Quincy Riley has potential. Absolutely. 
All right. Well, that'll wrap up Matt's five. Good, good job, man. You set the bar really low for yourself. So next time you can come out and do a great job. I'm kidding. That was great, man. That's right. That was really, really good. Uh, lowercase J right there. Uh, and there's a lot of guys. We could probably do 30 guys that are flying under the radar. And, and when you have a team that's flying under the radar, uh, deservedly so. It's been a rough couple of years for Louisville in terms of climbing the mountaintop in the ACC. But uh, it's understandable. So this season, very exciting. Uh, hopefully you got your season tickets. Uh, if not, you can go find those right now. Uh, and get out there just what seven times this year at home uh six times something like that i forget exactly seven, seven at home this year so uh seven opportunities and IU and, i mean like yeah, if you want to make some away games like this is the year yeah yeah my wife works for a company that just bought uh another company in north carolina so that duke uh was duke at home this year i don't I've, i don't have the schedule in front of me duke is at home yeah okay well then maybe next year i'll go to duke uh so well, much I'm, trimble- I'm trembling in my boots, Matt. <laughs> still be trembling. I mean, all, all five of those Duke football fans, right? You know how that goes. Right. Matt no loves kidding. these teams like Duke and Boston. Matt's like all about the bottom feeders of the ACC. And yeah, I'm I'm gonna wear a I hate Christian Leitner shirt to the. I just hate Duke, man. Like I just hate Duke. I hate them. You and Kentucky fans right now. Everybody does, are. dude. If if Louisville Kentucky know. fans can get along with anything, it's got to be like a hatred towards Duke. I mean, nobody likes them. Nobody, except Duke fans. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with you there, uh, but uh, we we might argue about that next time here on From the Pink Seats podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the show. Big thank you to Brock Doman for jumping on with us. Thank you to Matt for Matt's Five. Thank you for Vince for showing up and providing the the football expertise and uh, the football street cred, if you will, on this show, because we know we need that when I'm asking Brock out here about Showing up at his camp for kids. Uh, sad sack of football am I. That's what a sad sack of football. <laughs> we can we can get you out there. I'll run you through a crash course of weights, hills. Route. I want to. This let... is going to have us do Oklahoma drills. The yeah, whole time. right. Just pretty much. I wanted that. to ask him that, but we didn't get around to that. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if they're going to run. They will not be running Oklahoma drills at this camp. <laughs> Let me make sure I clarify that. Brock would not appreciate that. Yeah, no, no. So check out BrockDoman.com uh, to register for the Card G football camp uh, and support Brock and the football players who will be out there. Subscribe uh, to the YouTube channel. Continue to support us as a show here on From the Pink Seats Podcast at the State of Louisville on YouTube at Pink Seats Pod on Twitter at Matt underscore McGavick at U of L report at Vincent Lococo at Jacob Lane zero eight. Of course, check out state of in the U of L report of sports illustrated uh, to stay up to date on all things Louisville. Uh, and we will catch you next week. We'll be back for an episode of where are they now episode? Uh, what are we on episode six next week? We will be joined by D'Angelo Brown, former Louisville football Ooh. defensive lineman. We keep Ooh. it moving. We got a lot of defensive linemen this season. Uh, teammate. That'll be fun, man. Yeah. I'm I'm he was really like, excited about uh, that. He was the last of like the Charlie guys hanging around with everything. <clears> so like him and Keith Kelsey, the leadership they brought to that team is it's gonna be a good one. Yeah, really excited about that. So make sure you guys subscribe, uh, and we will catch you next time here on From the Pink Seats podcast. Until then, go cards.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.